0: Before we begin, let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we pray that only your word be spoken, only your word heard and your word lived. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. You know, I read a quote this week that really shook and transformed my perspective on the Advent season. And this quote comes from an old uh, Vanity Fair article and it's titled, God and Man in Rwanda. And this is how the article begins. And I quote, the story goes that a French priest in Rwanda who had survived the massacres of the spring of 1994 was asked whether his experiences had shaken his faith in God. Absolutely not, he replied. But, he added, matter-of-factly, what happened in this country has destroyed my faith in mankind forever. You know, as a commentator uh, put it, in Rwanda these days, even an atheist has a hard time pushing away the thought that God is a better bet than man. We are surrounded by Advent stories, and this is one of them. Now, the great wisdom of Advent happening right before Christmas is that we're all invited to prepare ourselves for the Lord's coming by gathering intentionally as a community to hear the truths about the human condition that are hard to bear. This is our corporate task this Advent season and our privilege to listen for these truths in the context of our faith. You know, in Advent, more than any other time of the Christian year, the prophets really make sense, which is why Howard and Richard and I have been sharing Isaiah with you these past Sundays. Now, Isaiah's theme, if you read the entirety of the book, like the other prophets of the Bible, is the judgment of God on the wickedness of the human race. The prophets knew what the French priests learned, they had also lost their faith in humankind. They had no hope in the inevitability of human progress. They didn't see improvement in our behavior. Everywhere they looked, they saw signs that humans seemed to be irredeemably corrupt. And the prophets, well, they pleaded for repentance and then they wept for the people's sins, but the people didn't care to listen or to change. And the prophets asked, where is God? I mean, the prophets, the prophets, they couldn't imagine how there could be anything but abandonment and condemnation in store for them. From our Isaiah reading today, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and a release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. Day of vengeance. Isaiah utters a phrase that we do everything to avoid. The day of vengeance of our God or the wrath of God. We almost never want to hear about the wrath of God, especially right before Christmas. Seth, what are you thinking? We want comfort. We want eggnog and a sentimental and, and gentle Jesus. But that Jesus has nothing to say to our world mired in suffering and grief. In the midst of a pandemic full of fear, this year, 2020, has left us dejected and feeling alone. The weight of this year has crushed so many hopes and dreams for the future. And you know what? I'll even say this almost we would welcome even God's wrath if that meant that God was real and was paying attention to us. Because we know that the opposite of love isn't anger. We often get angry at those we love and those that we love get angry with us. That's not hate, that's just relationship. That's part of love. It's the absence of God that's ultimately terrifying. We know that the opposite of love is hate and the ultimate form of hate is indifference. W. H. Auden writes at the outset of his Christmas oratorio and I quote, we are afraid of pain but more afraid of silence for no nightmare of hostile objects could be as dreadful as this void. This is the abomination. This is the wrath of God. You know, the Christian life is characterized by its willingness to face up to these hard matters. A better preacher points out, it's actually a form of repentance. The Lord has given us this high privilege and this solemn responsibility. We dare not dodge it. Now, many of us lost our faith in humankind a long time ago. In Advent, where faith in humankind comes to an end, the message of Christmas begins. When there is no way from here to eternity because the heavens are closed to human evil, That is the time when the prophets of Israel begin to speak. You know, those famous words of Isaiah were once again spoken to the people of Israel in the midst of their darkness. Jesus takes up these words recorded in Luke 4. And he says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Did you notice something? When Jesus preached this text, he got to the middle of the verse and he said, the year of the Lord's favor, and he stopped. Right in the middle of the sentence, right in the middle of the verse, he sat down and then he said, today it begins why didn't he go on to the last part of the passage here right why didn't the uh, why didn't he uh, say and the day of the lord's vengeance i mean what's the matter with jesus well here's the answer it's pretty clear they are not the same thing there is a day of vengeance coming there is a day of judgment coming Jesus will return to make wrong things right. We say say it every week in the Apostles' Creed. That's the Advent message. We see it clearly in Isaiah, so we can't pretend it's not real. But we're not there yet. Today, Jesus is proclaiming the year of the Lord's favor. And Isaiah describes it so well. Listen to Isaiah. He says, to comfort all who mourn. To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. The year of the Lord's favor. Notice that those three insteads, you know, instead of ashes, a crown of beauty. You know, in ancient cultures, ashes were placed on the head when you were hit with disaster. You know, the world burns out. Hope fails. But a crown of beauty was placed on you when you won a race or on your birthday. The fresh green leaves signaling the inner experience of joy and beauty. Then the oil of joy instead of mourning. You know, mourning dries your face. Those tears stream and stream, leaving a parched, dry skin, a desert. But oil Uh, moistens the face, softens the skin, brings back glistening youthfulness. And finally, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. You know, when you're broken and when you're hurting, you just stay in. You stay put. You don't uh, go out or anything. There's no energy to do anything, actually. But the garment is like your best outfit. You're ready to work and play with energy and confidence. When Isaiah spoke these words, the people of God were broken and needed to listen to God, but they didn't. And when Jesus spoke these words, the people almost heard, but then they rejected Jesus. And today you're hearing these words. I mean, aren't you tired of the weight of the world just crushing your hope for the future? Soon there will be crowns, oil, and garments. And we know this because Jesus spoke these three insteads, and they became operational in him. We must behold Jesus. As John says, he, John the Baptist, came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. If you and I are to witness the light and believe, that means that we have to take Isaiah seriously. As St. Paul writes the Thessalonians, do not quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. We can't hear Isaiah and then roll our eyes treating prophecies with contempt. If you think the day of vengeance is ridiculous, you are quenching the voice of the Holy Spirit in your life. Don't do that. Hear the words, witness them and believe. And realize that the reason Jesus stops right in the middle of a sentence, why he omits and the day of vengeance of our God is because that day has fallen on him. The day of vengeance happened to Jesus on the cross. He paid for our sins so that if we believe in him, without the eye rolling, then the day of vengeance passes us by and we are set free to live and to love our neighbors and our friends and our family without fear. So you see, yeah, in Advent there is a message of God's wrath. Yes, but God's wrath is far better than God's absence. His wrath also brought us God's unending love. God hates human evil and a day of vengeance is completely right. But God loves us so much that he took vengeance on himself in Jesus Christ so that you are free to experience God's life and love if you repent and believe. I'll be honest with you. If it were not for the crucifixion of Jesus, I for one could not continue. The cross is the sign that God has not remained silent in the face of human evil. God has condemned evil with vengeance but loves us with an unending love. This is not a human hope. This is a divine gift. Where faith in humankind comes to an end, the message of Christmas begins. Let's pray. Righteous Lord, if we think that we are good, we deceive ourselves. We deserve your wrath. We have broken your commands and we have not loved you with our whole hearts, minds and strength. We can only plead the righteousness of Christ. We thank you that Jesus paid the price on the cross. We witness his light and believe. Amen.